Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, ball to the five, touchdown Tampa Bay. My heavens, does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and gone. Hello and welcome back, Bucks fans, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rip Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Today, we are going to be taking a look at what lies ahead in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2023 offseason headed into the 2024 season. Okay, so this would be the 2024 offseason or 23 offseason, Evan? It's 2024. Yeah, okay. So the, 20, yeah. so the 2024 offseason for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you got some free agency in the mix. The Bucks have a lot of important decisions to make, as well as the draft. We're going to cover all of those possibilities today. The NFL informed teams last week that the NFL salary cap in 2024 will be $255.4 million. Now, that is a $30.6 million increase from last year. So for a lot of teams that are tight on spending money, looking to get back above the cap. Luckily, the Bucks don't have to deal with that this offseason, but they are looking for a little bit of extra spending money. That is great news for them. Evan, what are we getting into today? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the reason you mentioned that is because it has to pertain with what the, the main topic, I guess, the main focus of this uh, episode is, and that is the mock offseason that I like to do every year. I will admit, I don't I tried to go back and find it, and I don't think I did many of these during the Brady years because here's the thing. Okay, they signed Tom Brady. They win the Super Bowl. Then that offseason, it was like, okay, they just keep everybody, right? So, like, I wasn't really going to do a mock offseason then. Like, that would have been boring if I just said, oh, just re-sign everybody, and that that's that. Um, and then the following year was kind of the, a similar sentiment, like kind of. Uh, and then um, – Obviously, you know, you had the year, you, had, you know, this past year, which for some reason I don't think we did. Uh, but it is my mock, mock off season now. This is it, it is a predictive off season, but it's also sort of what I would do. So it is a mix. It is not completely unrealistic. I try to keep it as realistic as possible, but it's also what I would do. It is not me predicting what is going to happen. It is not that I think every single move here is going to happen. Uh, this is sort of a mix of what I feel is kind of likely, you know, maybe like not necessarily specific players, but specific positions. Maybe that I think they'll target. Um, so it's sort of half and half, right? It's half what I would do, half what I think will happen. So, and again, previous I'm no cap expert. I know there are ways that the Buccaneers can free up money that I don't even know. I know there are ways that the Buccaneers will have limited money that I don't even know. Uh, I know there are ways you can structure a contract that I don't even know. I'm not going to be getting into too much of that. Uh, but I, like I said, I do try and keep it uh, realistic. But obviously, the salary cap jumping up does matter because you know it changes the numbers for a lot of teams. And most sites like Over the Cap and Spot Track and stuff were using, I believe. 42 to like 45 million as like, well, okay, sorry, 242, uh, 245 million, um, I believe, or is it 100? No, I, I'm pretty sure it's 200. Uh, but, uh, you know, as their um, projection, right, to what their numbers are. So it is a little bit above uh, what that's going to be. And obviously, like you said, you know, a huge jump uh, from the previous year. So um, obviously, yeah, that does matter. And that, yeah, sure. It leaves the Bucks with a little bit more cap space. At the same time, though, it leaves other teams with more cap space to be able to spend, you know, possibly on on the Bucks free agents here. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. This is always something that uh, I look forward to doing, and um, I'm excited to get into it. So let's go ahead and kick things off with this daunting list of free agents. I assume we're going to break things down in the order that they are going to happen, and uh, these are the moves that we're probably going to hear about first: either the guys being let go, guys being cut. 
or uh, some potential free agent re-signings and departures. So what have you got? Yeah, so, and you are right. I mean, and you know, we will be hearing about that before anything else, right? About, you know, creating more cap space, right? Because currently, I believe, there's according to Over the Cap, the Buccaneers have about $43.6 million available in cap space today. Like, right now, before they do anything else, um, they have that available today. So uh, you're going to need more. Like you're, you're going to need a little bit more to be able to re-sign the guys that you want to re-sign. Um, and the guys that are going to be priorities for you. Even if those guys won't cost like top, top dollar, you're still going to need more than $43 million in cash space. So with that being said, I am, uh, yeah, I'm going to start right off by the cuts, cutting two players. Uh, I am cutting Russell Gage to save $6.4 million. Gage just... You know, wide receiver three, hampered by injuries. You know, it's unfortunate. It really does suck, but uh, I think it's the right time to move on. And I am also cutting, and this is the big one, uh, I am cutting Shaq Barrett, but I am doing it as a post-June 1 cut. So that actually saves the Buccaneers $4.9 million, but... They can't spend that 4.9 until post June 1. So it's not like that's available to them now to throw at some free agent. They don't have that available, but it's clear, you know, Barrett, it's probably likely headed that way. So uh, I'm restructuring Vita Vea to save 10.7. All this is courtesy over the cap, by the way. It's all all the, their numbers. Uh, you can go ahead and check that out if you guys want. Uh, yeah, so I'm structuring Vita Vea to save 10.7. I'm restructuring Jamel Dean to save 8.1 million dollars and then i am extending tristan Wirfs to save 13.6 million dollars gonna be playing on his fifth year option coming up i don't want him to uh you know be able to that fifth i forget what exactly the number is for the fifth year option but by extending him you can lower that 2024 number so that's what i do to be able to save the cap space there so projecting about with after all that, about $82 million available to, you know, but I, again, that's the re-sign guys and that's the sign free agents, but also you got to remember, you got to sign a draft class too. So it's not like I'm going to spend $82 million here to re-sign guys and spend it on free agents. But those first couple moves, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the Tristan Wirfs extension is something that I've brought up a few times on the show. I've brought it up to other people when talking about what the Bucks' plans are going to be. And, and that shouldn't be surprising because, like you said, you re-sign him. You can dictate what that cap hit's going to be. So with some of the cap whizzes that we've had and the way the Bucks have kicked the can down the road before with some of these contracts, I wouldn't be surprised to see it be a, a very team-friendly number as far as what his cap hit's going to be next season. As far as Russell Gage as well, you know, that's a thing that there is a small part of me that wants to kind of wait it out and give him one more chance, but unfortunately like the injuries just he can't get away from him even when he was playing he was getting injured week in and week out uh so unfortunately as much as I think we both wanted that to work and the Bucks obviously wanted it to work as well I, I just don't think it's going to happen and then of course Shaq Barrett we've also touched on this over the course of the season especially at the end of the regular season just seems like it's time uh you got to get younger on that defensive line and if you can shore up I, I know if you can shore up a couple more roster spots uh, for someone who's going to be more productive, I just I, I think it's going to be beneficial for the long term in Tampa Bay. Looking to get younger at that defensive line. Yeah, and, and like I mean, you know, Shaq was one of the better, possibly one of the best free agent signings the Bucks have ever had. Right? Yeah. Like I mean, besides Tom Brady, you could argue it's Jason Light's best free agent signing ever. I mean, signing him to a one-year, four million dollar deal. Oh. Um, but all good things must come to an end. Also, just to circle back, get you some updated info. Tristan Wirth's fifth-year option, which has already been picked up by the Bucks, but if they sign him, uh, that fifth-year option, if he's paid, is eighteen point two million dollars. So I have to assume if they get a deal done. You can you can make that cap hit for 2024 something under 10 million dollars, which just yes. it, it gives you so much more room. Yeah, yeah, it gives it gives you a lot more room. So, uh, with that being said, I want to get into the re-signings now. Obviously, a lot of people. Again, I want to preface this by saying I do have specific contracts here, but again, this is the contracts that I would give out. This is not predictive or anything like that. So I am re-signing Mike Evans uh, to a three-year deal. 
or $78 million. That's $26 million per year. And I am making, because it's a three-year deal, I'm able to make his cap hit in 2024, let's say about $15 million, okay? So it's $15 million off of the cap there for Mike Evans. I just don't, I just don't see, I still don't think it's likely that he, that he leaves Tampa Bay. And I think that contract works. Uh, SpotRack still has, still has his market value at $23.8 million. I think he's going to get over that. Uh, but I believe Cooper Cup got a little over 26 on his contract, and uh, he was 28 years old when he signed it. Now, Mike Evans is going to be three years older. Uh, I think $26 million is pretty fair for both sides. I am also re-signing Baker Mayfield to quite a similar contract. Uh, three years, $82 million. Gave him a little bit of a bump just because it is a quarterback. Uh, 27.3 uh, uh, per you know annual value. But making his cap hit in 2024, 18 million. Uh, I wanted to keep the cap hit kind of high because you know I think you do want to you want to structure that deal to where it wouldn't be impossible to get out of it if you need to because you never know, right? I know that there's been some thought in Seattle of maybe cutting ties with Geno Smith. It just kind of happens with those quarterbacks, right? It's from time to time. You never really know if Baker Mayfield falters this year, right? Do the Buccaneers give him one more year or are they like, look, man, like, you know, we made a mistake. We got this top 10 pick. We got to get, get, get a guy. Right. So I, I don't think they want to, they love Baker Mayfield, but I don't think they want to commit too long-term to where it's like Derek Carr and the saints where like the saints probably would like to move on from Derek Carr, but they're stuck. Let me ask you about the Mike Evans situation. So there was a recent report. And this is our first time talking about it on the show from ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. He appeared on sports center Sunday morning and he said the Buccaneers are going to quote, try and bring back Mike Evans in a major way. Fowler also reiterated rumblings that Evan wants to retire after having spent his entire career in Tampa Bay. Something that Mike Evans has been vocal about since the start of this whole process. The last podcast we did was telling people that, Hey, we should still expect Mike Evans to hit free agency, see what teams are going to be throwing at him, and then see if the bucks can come up with their best offer. Now you get the news about the salary cap, a couple of days later, you get this news about the Buccaneers trying to bring back Mike Evans, quote, in a major way. Do you still think things play out the way that we had talked about last week, where Mike is going to read the room, take a look at some of the offers, take a look at some of the situations he could get himself involved in, and then potentially come back to the Bucs? Uh, you know, you talked about, uh, what What did you re-sign him for again? That salary, was it 26, 27? 26, yeah. 26, okay, so... I know spot racks value isn't I, I I assume it's not updated. Twenty three seems very cheap for Mike Evans, just when you hear chatter of what everyone else is saying he's going to be worth. But at the end of the day, like you'll find out once the pin hits paper. But how do you see that playing out? Do you think the salary cap news and obviously this latest report is going to affect uh, how aggressive the Bucks are with signing a Mike Evans? Uh, I think they'd like to get something done. Uh, I, I do still expect Mike Evans to probably hit the open market, though, at least. At least the, excuse me, the legal tampering period starts on March 11th. So I would expect Mike Evans to at least be a free agent at that time, right? I think... This is the first time in his career he's been a free agent, right? He's going to be a free agent, and, and I, I think he he's going to understand where the Bucks are with their offer, and I think he's going to just want to see what else is out there. Um, and I think, like I said, at this point, I think it sort of behoove him and his agent to to not look and see what's out there because you never know if there is just a a monster offer out there from a Houston Texans, from a Kansas City Chiefs, like from a Detroit Lions, whoever it may be, you know, Buffalo Bills. Like I, I think you know you have to at least listen. Um, like I said, I still think the likely scenario is him ending up back in Tampa, but uh, and I, I I think that's what's going to happen. However, I also I don't really think the salary cap news nor the Jeremy Fowler thing really changes much there. To me, it just sort of to me it just kind of confirms like yeah, Mike Evans may hit the open market, but probably gonna be back. So, um, you know, I think like Levante David, you know, he hit the open market, and I think the expectation was kind of still that he was gonna be back. Like you know, probably gonna be back still. So, um, you know that 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 happened a few years. Um, so I I do think that I still expect Mike Evans to hit the open market. Would it shock me if they got a deal done before? No, but I I, I do expect Mike Evans to still hit. 
I, I agree. I, I think the most likely scenario is that he's back in Tampa Bay. I just wasn't sure if any of the news coming out. You know, it's that time of year where every right. single bit of news, every report yeah. that floats out feels huge because there's nothing else to be talked about. So I, I just wasn't sure if, in your opinion, uh, it affected anything going on there. I know we have some more re-signings, but you had mentioned Levante David, and I guess we can kind of get this out of the way. Uh, there was another recent update about Levante David addressing his future in the NFL. Even though he just turned 34 years old, he appeared on WDAE, I believe, with T-Kraz last week. And he was straight up asked, is it the Bucks of retirement at this point? And uh, he, he seemed to, to make it seem like that is the case. I'm trying to find uh, the really quick, quote from Really him. quick. I, I don't mean to rant on WDAE. Oh, I do not. I, I do not I do not listen to WDAE. I just you know I'm not I'm not from the air. I don't I don't listen to it. However, their tweet is a little misleading um, oh, yeah. because their initial tweet is Levante David said it says breaking news. Levante David says is either bucks or retirement. If you watch the clip, he never says that. Does he kind of allude to that? Yes. But he he never flat out says that. I, I so will, yes, you I, could believe that, and like reading that clip, you'd be like, "Yeah, like well, you knew that." But like he never said, "Oh, yeah, it's Tampa or, or retirement." He he never says that. I, I'll agree. He never said that. Now the way the question was formed, he was addressing it in that manner. The question came right. from T. Crass, and he straight up asked him. He said, "Hey, is it Tampa or retirement at this point?" And, uh, you know, he kind of said, yeah, at this point, it, you know, we're going to try and evaluate. He, 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 he didn't, he didn't really play. give he didn't really give like that. Well, you know, we'll see what the market has. Right. And, you know, this and that, you know, I'd love to be back, but it's a business. And he didn't really give that sort of answer. Regardless of technicalities and who got caught up on what I do think that is the case for Levante David. I, I, I do think it is a safe assumption that it's going to be Tampa Bay or retirement because Rondé Barber even spoke out about it. And he said that. You know, during the tail end of his career in Tampa Bay, he was taking one-year deal after one-year deal after one-year deal. I think he had three one-year deals to end his uh, to end his career in the NFL. So Levante David could very well do the same thing at 34 years old. But uh, wanted to see what your plans are for Levante David in 2024. Yeah, uh, so I am re-signing Levante David to a one-year deal, uh, 8.5 million. I would like to add a void year to make his cap hit about five million in 2024. So, um, yeah, so I am I am re-signing him there. Uh, I do think it's Bucks for retirement, and I am I, I am leaning towards him probably playing. So, the other one here, and and this is again where it's an important distinction where this is mine. This is not necessarily what I think is going to happen, but it's it's sort of it's my realistic one basically. I'm re-signing Antoine Winfield Jr. to a five-year, ninety million dollar deal. Uh, $18 million per season. Uh, his cap hits $10 million in 2024. Now, I say that this is important to say because this isn't a predictive thing. This is sort of mine because it is looking kind of likely that he's most likely going to be the guy to get franchise tagged. Again, I would prefer not to use the franchise tag because the thing is, you can't move that money around. I can't make his basically the franchise tag. It's basically that same number. It's basically like that eight, $18 million number. And um, you but I can't make that once. 10 million. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I can't. Uh, that's 18 million gone. So I think it's smart to lock up Winfield. Also, like I wouldn't rule out them tagging Winfield and then. Uh, you know, signing him later, right? The, the Bucks tagged Chris Godwin last year and then signed him, you know, re-signed him with a deal or two years ago, maybe re-signed him to a deal uh, a week later. So uh, I wouldn't wouldn't be shocked if that's the case. But yeah, I am signing uh, Antoine Winfield long term. And then I have one more before I want to get your overall thoughts on the re-signings really quick. Chase McLaughlin, uh, three years, $12 million, $4 million per year. Just flat. I'm not really doing anything there. I, you got to bring him back. Uh, he's, he was too consistent for you. Um, so, and then also a couple of vet minimums that may or may not even make the team. Chase Edmonds, Aaron Stenny, Greg Gaines, D. Delaney, Zach Triner, and Justin School. So um, those are the guys that I am bringing back. Obviously, no surprise, not bringing back like Ryan Neal, not bringing back Devin White. You know, again, no surprises. Um, not really many like, oh, you didn't bring this guy back. Like not really many huge guys. And I do think those are the guys that the Buccaneers are going to prioritize, you know, in when, when real life comes and it's time to re-sign these guys. 
Yeah, I agree with how most of these re-signings are going to play out. I, I, I think, you know, realistically, Winfield ends up getting tagged as much as we would like the Bucks to have a little more flexibility on what that cap hit's going to be. Um, depending on how they distribute the rest of the money or depending on what they are physically able to do, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. But I, I think that that's how most of this is going to go. I think you're going to hear the news first about Mike Evans and then either very closely after or before that, you're going to hear about by, uh, Baker Mayfield. It's going to be like both of those both of those headlines are going to drop in the same week. I, think. I, I, I still think Baker Mayfield signing first. Yeah, I I'm starting to get the feeling that I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to even hit the legal tampering period. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 don't, think, I don't think. Yeah, I'd like to think Baker hits the, uh, you know, hits free agency with Tampa Bay already having agreed to terms with them. Mike Evans could make it interesting, but, you know, the way that they are talking about the Bucks are going to prioritize him in a major way makes me think it's it's going to pressure them to try and get a deal done before free agency officially opens. So I, I think it all plays out also. I am a big fan of Chase McLaughlin getting paid. Uh, that guy is a godsend. One of the best free agent kickers in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history. And we were such big fans of Ryan Suckup on the show. Still are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, I they, mean, those they, were... they might they might not win the Super Bowl without Ryan Suckup doing what he did that postseason. Yeah. But it, you brought in Chase McLaughlin to directly address a need that Ryan Suckup left on the table, and he he knocked it out of the park. So I'm a big fan of uh, the way that that plays out. I mean, you want to talk about like. I don't know, man. Baker Mayfield exceeded expectations or whatever. To me, it's got to be Chase McLaughlin exceeding expectations. For <laughs> yeah, but it's not sexy season. talking about the kicker. I understand that, but like, yeah, like we that's we the dude that exceeded the most expectations. I know. To be. No, the I agree. But, I agree. But at the end of the day, we can't put Chase McLaughlin on a thumbnail and get thousands of views, unfortunately. No, uh, well, maybe if it's like Chase McLaughlin's family. I don't know how that's big fair. they are, that's but fair. um, or just you know, hey Chase, you can come on the show if you'd like. Yeah. Um. Which, speaking of which, check out my interview with uh, former Bucks running back Bobby Rainey. You talk, we actually talk about Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield um, and their potential statuses there. So go check that out on the YouTube channel now. But let's get right into free agency. And I'm going to preface this by saying I didn't go out and make a splash and sign Brian Burns or uh, Daniel Hunter or <laughs> like I, I didn't go do that. You definitely didn't sign Brian Burns for uh, reportedly wanting $30 million a year. No, yeah, I can't. Uh, I mean, it's just it's what pass rushers. I don't know if he's going to get that. You know, I don't think he I, does. I I I, I want a million dollars. That doesn't mean I'm going to get it. So, um, so I so I, I didn't go out and make a splash. I signed one, two, three, four, five. I signed five free agents. Four of them are for one year deals. So it's not like I'm making long long term commitments. They're not big money deals. Uh, but I think they're solid guys who can help in certain roles. So. We're going to start off with actually the guy who is my number one free agent target for the Buccaneers this offseason, uh, Javon Kinlaw uh, from the San Francisco 49ers, you're a, uh, defensive lineman. You're a big fan of him coming out of the draft. Yes, yes. And uh, just a guy, like, reminds me a lot, kind of, of, of a Shaq Bear, like in Denver. Obviously, Shaq didn't get the opportunities because of Von Miller being there. Uh, but Kinlaw has been playing on a loaded San Francisco defensive line, and he's dealt with injuries throughout his career. So I'm giving him a one-year deal for $4.5 million, making his cap hit uh, $2 million in 2024. So really low risk, a one-year deal, just trying to find a bargain, trying to find a guy you know, next to Kalijah Kansi there, next to Vita Vea. Uh, you know, Logan Hall has been underwhelming. I think a guy like Javon Kinlaw could come in there you know, and, and play well, and I'm willing to take the chance, especially on a one-year deal you know if it doesn't work out you just let him walk uh but if it does work out i think you know there's still talent in there he was the 14th overall pick right he was the one pick after the bucks picked tristan Wirf. so uh there's still a lot of talent in there and i think javon kinlaw could be a pretty good fit at, at a pretty good price too so uh, i'm also signing aaron brewer to a two-year 8.5 million dollar deal that's 4.25 uh per year but his cap hit in 2024 is going to be 3 million um and the reason why I'm making some of these cap hits in, in 2024 lower than the annual value is because you have to remember like the cap in 2025 is also going to rise so it's not really going to be that big of a deal uh, Aaron Brewer is a guard slash center. Uh, he did play a good bit of center, I believe, for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, played pretty well. Uh, he has played pretty well, and I do like the versatility that he brings. So I do think the Buccaneers are going to be looking to upgrade both interior spots there at center and at left guard. And 
think a guy like Aaron Brewer could fill both roles uh, there if you need him to. And obviously, uh, you know, pre-draft, uh, you don't really know if you're going to be able to get a left guard or center, you know, unless you're going to be signing both, uh, which I, I don't have them signing both. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think Aaron Brewer is a guy who could fill in at certain spots. And also, I think he's like 26 years old, so it's not like he, he's completely old. You know, signed to a two-year deal. It's the only guy signed to a multi-year deal. So uh, I think he could be a solid, like I said, a solid value piece for the Bucks. Uh The next guy I'm going to sign is John Johnson, the third strong Safety, uh, one year, four million dollar deal. Uh, he was with the Rams, got paid by the Browns. Didn't really he played well in Cleveland, but had to release him due to some salary cap issues. And he went back to the Rams. He played decent this year. He used to be a pretty good fit. I I did think about signing Jordan Whitehead. Think Jordan Whitehead might be a little bit expensive for the Buccaneers, uh, especially with you know the re-signings that they're gonna have to make. Like if they had guys like Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans already under contract, and they could walk into free agency with you know freaking forty-five million dollars to spend, like maybe right. But I, I just think Jordan Whitehead's gonna be a little bit too expensive for them, so I think they look for another value signing there. John Johnson's a veteran um, who I mean has been a pretty good player in his career. So again, I think it's. It's worth it on a one-year deal. There's a lot of people that say in sports, you know, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. Right? It was, it's, it's just one year. If it doesn't work out, you can easily cut bait. So the next guy I am signing is uh, tight end Mike Gesicki. I am signing him to a one-year, $4 million deal. Same as that contract as John Johnson. Uh, I just think the Buccaneers need a little bit more receiving-wise uh, in, in from their tight end room. And I did not uh, draft one. So uh, I do think that, uh, you know, Gasicki could come in and, and be a pretty good fit, not just in the vertical passing game, but also in the red zone. Uh, he's a pretty good, you know, jump ball guy. He's pretty good at getting vertical and stuff. But um, I think he gives his help, and, and I think it it sort of makes it sort of makes it a one A one B situation, right? There isn't really, you know, you're not signing Gasicki to be your number one, like undisputed number one, and Kate Otten, like, oh, you're the backup. No, I think they're both going to have a pretty big role in the offense. So uh, I, I do uh, add, add Gasicki there. And really quick, before you mention something, because I only have one more, uh, and I know this is going to put a smile on your face, but it, it makes sense to me. Uh, I am uh, signing Rakeem Nunez Rochas to a one year, $2.5 million deal. Uh, just more depth, a uh, guy who's familiar with Todd Bowles' scheme and could be cheap enough. So uh, Nacho returns to Tampa Bay. Nacho! I uh, I really like the Jacecki signing there because, like you said, he's not a tight end that comes in and, and feels like he's a hindrance to the development of Kadon in any way. Kind of a 1A, 1B situation where, you know, honestly... I almost feel like Jasicki was set up to fail when he went to New England because there isn't anything on the offensive side of the ball that they were doing up there that anybody had any reason to be worried about. Like there, there was nobody on that roster that was scaring anyone. And uh, unfortunately, it was just not a good situation for him. But he had quite the breakout season in Miami before ultimately getting moved. So I, I like that a lot. And I also like the extra attention to the trenches. I know you tried to pick around at all these different positions. You got a safety signing. Of course, you got some depth on the defensive line and then a two-year deal for an O-lineman. I like that a lot. I think we both agree that when you look at this Bucks roster, it feels like where you have to build something is in the trenches on both sides of the ball, on the offensive line and the defensive line. As far as free agency and, dare I say, the draft... When you address all of these other positions, it almost feels like extra. You know, you're, you're, you you don't feel as much of a necessity to get a, a starting caliber wide receiver or a starting caliber cornerback. Uh, I, I like the attention to the trenches, and, and I agree with a lot of those moves. Um, I hope, you know, in, in my perfect offseason scenario, the Bucks have a little bit of extra change to go after a guy like Jordan Whitehead just because... You know, I, I, I don't want to cut corners at that position. And I guess you're really not with re-signing Antoine Winfield Jr., obviously. But we saw how Ryan Neal worked out. They, not every safety in the NFL uh, is fit to run in Todd Bowles' system. I'm sure Ryan Neal's going to sign somewhere and probably not go back to prominence because he wasn't the most prominent player coming out of Seattle. But 
he'll probably bounce back a little bit better yeah, than he was able I, to do I, I in do, Tampa. I do think, I think even if Ryan Neal, which honestly, I'm not going to completely rule out Ryan Neal returning, should it be on a vet minimum deal, sort of something like that, like later in the offseason, uh, if he doesn't get re-signed. But like, I think even if he returns to the NBA, like, I don't think he's as bad as he showed in 2023. Yeah, I, I think uh, another year would do him good. It, it was just a tough transition for him. But I, I like all the moves that you made. Um and I agree that I I think this is uh, really the blueprint of, of what they're going to try and focus on here and, and make a priority. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So with that being said, after everything there, we have about $14.5 million available. I was basically going under the assumption that I need about $10 million to sign my draft class. So have about $4.5 uh, extra there. So with that being said, let's get into the draft. And this is this is a pretty fun one. So sitting at 26th overall. And again, this is a I use a draft simulator to do this, right? So this is the picks that I made with the guys that were available. Now there were some guys that were available that I was like, okay. He's just not going to be there. I'm not going to pick him. So I try to make it somewhat realistic. But if you don't think a certain guy is going to be there at a certain spot, don't necessarily blame me. Blame the draft simulator uh, because I did try. Like I said, there was a few times I was like, okay, like that guy's just not going to be there. Like, obviously, like there was sometimes like I guess Bo Nix is ranked like 25th and there was sometimes Bo Nix was there. I was like, well, that's not going to happen. So um, with that being said, sitting at 26th overall, I decided to call the San Francisco 49ers and see if they had interest in moving up. And they did. They had, did have interest in moving up. So with that being said, I sent the 26th overall pick and a sixth round pick this year, which is 203rd overall to San Francisco for the 31st overall pick and uh, San Francisco's second third round pick, which is actually a comp pick, uh, which is 98th overall. If you look at the draft value chart of the the, the trade values there, uh, Tampa receives 708 total points and San Francisco receives 710.2 total points. So San Francisco is making out a little bit better there, actually, but uh, I, I like the deal. I would have loved for the sake of the exercise if you would have said, well, I called Detroit to see if they were interested in trading up and they were not. So I called San Francisco and because uh, that's where I thought you were going with that for some reason. Uh, you said I called them up uh, to see if they were interested and luckily they were. I thought maybe there was a possibility in this exercise that they weren't. So then you had to call up somebody else. I had to pivot. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I, I, I felt, you know, adding... Adding another day two pick, I, I felt was pretty important, especially because you know the Bucks are sitting in an interesting spot at twenty six to where there may be some guys on the board where like, oh man, like you know you can't pass on him, like a Jackson Powers Johnson or anything like that, or maybe a pass rusher or maybe a corner. But you know, I, I don't know if Jackson Powers Johnson is going to be there at this point. Uh, there's going to be a run on corners and uh, pass rushers. You never know with them guys. Sometimes they get overdrafted as well. So I do think there's a role where and there's a world where the Bucks are sitting at 26 and there's just there's guys they like but I, I think if you have a chance to add another pick uh, on day two I, I think you gotta take it so uh, I do have with the 31st overall pick I have the Buccaneers selecting Chop Robinson, edge defender from Penn State. Uh, again, sort of with the theme, right, of the free agency to where I think you need to improve the trenches, improve the pass rush. Notice how I did not sign an edge rusher in free agency. I didn't sign outside linebacker in free agency. Um, so basically, I think Chop can – he played mostly in a 4-3 defense at Penn State, but he can stand up. Uh, I think he'd be a nice little compliment to Yaya Diaby. Yaya Diaby's more of a power profile to where you know he's not really going to wow you uh where chop robinson is pure speed and there there is the, there is some risk with, with pure speed guys you know because like like a lot chop robinson is kind of like a boomer bust type guy like i i think he has the potential to be a 15 16 sack a year guy if he hits his peak but at the same time you could also see him where like yeah you're getting four sacks a year and you're just getting blown off the ball and you're not much of a run defender so uh, i do think he could be that type of dude but you know i think the buggy here's Sometimes you got to take a swing, right? And, and I think you got to take a swing here with Chop Robinson. So uh, I do think that works there at 31st overall. Again, the bonus of getting that extra pick as well. So uh, round two, 
57th overall. I am selecting Cedric Van Pran, center from Georgia. So that means I am moving Aaron Brewer over to left guard, Robert Hainsey to the bench, and Cedric Van Pran becomes my uh, starting center. Um, you know, a pretty good profile, obviously, you know, playing on one of the best teams, if not maybe even though they didn't make the playoff, like, they didn't make the playoffs. They lost one game to Alabama, right? Like they were arguably still the most talented team in college football. Um, and, uh, you know, Georgia is, is really powerful, a great offense. And uh, I think, you know, adding a center here uh, does make a lot of sense. So um, especially with even if you wanted to, even if you didn't uh, sign a guy like Aaron Brewer, Robert Haynes, he would still be entering his contract here, right? So it would be time to maybe think about the future there a little bit. And I just don't know how high they are Hainsey, you know, to me, they were, he was drafted to be Ryan Jensen's replacement, um, and they gave him basically two opportunities, right? They gave him two seasons to do so, and it just kind of he wasn't he wasn't like the worst thing in the world, but it kind of feels a little underwhelming. So, uh, picking up the center there, round three, and then, uh, I have I have two round three picks, and then I'm going to toss it to you, and then I'll finish up with the day three stuff. But uh, round three. Uh, 89th overall, I am picking. I know Scott Reynolds, a pure report, I think really likes this guy. Uh, Malachi Corley, wide receiver from Western Kentucky. Uh, sort of a guy where, you know, if you get him in space, he can do some damage. A guy who can um, create separation sort of with his route running and stuff. Uh, I do think there's some questions there for sure with his with his hands per se, uh, but yeah, I do think you take a chance here in the third round on a guy, especially because you know Chris Godwin's entering a contract year as well, and I think uh, you know this is assuming Mike Evans is back, obviously, but you know if Mike Evans isn't back, then wide receivers probably a pick for them in the first two rounds, I would say maybe. Uh, but you know with Mike Evans being back, I, I think I like Trey Palmer. I, I do like Trey Palmer, but this is kind of a future pick to where not sure if like yeah if you pay mike evans this year i think that puts a status in doubt for chris godwin the following year right i don't know if you can re-sign chris godwin again after paying mike evans so uh, a guy like you know malachi corley could maybe help soften that blow uh, of losing a guy like chris godwin you have trey palmer and corley there with still mike evans so that's the pick there and then the finish out day two uh round three 98th overall this is the pick i got from san francisco i am picking cedric gray a lineman Linebacker from North Carolina. So I didn't address linebacker at all in free agency. I let Devin White walk. Uh, so I had Levante David, Casey Britton, Savassier Dennis, but I had Cedric Gray there, a guy who, again, this could be Levante David's last year in the NFL, right? They need to start sort of planning for life after Levante David. And I think adding a guy like Cedric Gray can make a lot of sense. And even if you like KJ Britton, Savassier Dennis, I don't think you can count on those two to be like your starting linebackers for the next 10 years. So I do think adding him with the extra pick makes some sense. Yeah, some more love for the trenches in the early rounds there. I love it. I love it. Also planning for life after Levante David, as you said. Looking at that linebacker group, you know, the departure of Devin White, you can feel better about because of K.J. Britt, how he was playing down the stretch. I know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he had a little bit of an injury trouble there in the second half of the season. Uh, but he played well, and we've had a lot of great things to say about him in that position. But you're right, you do have to forecast what the future is going to look like and a lot of these day one and two picks, they are going to potentially be long-term starters for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look at everyone who's getting paid this year. I know Tristan Wirfs was a first-round draft pick, but Antoine Winfield Jr. was a mid-round pick. Uh, Trey Palmer, we just talked about, he's not necessarily getting paid, but he was a guy that was a late-round pick last year. So another thing as well, in 2023, headed into that offseason, as we forecasted, you know, looking for a quarterback, uh, looking ahead into the draft, what the Bucks were going to make a priority. Really what we talked about and what we hammered home last year was the importance of value. The entire theme of last year's offseason was value. Like you're going to want to find the best player for the best value. You know, you could break the bank for maybe a little bit better of a player, but for the value that this guy is going to give you, uh, you know, you're going to really be banking on that. Now the Bucks have a little bit more spending room as far as free agency goes this year, but I ultimately feel like Trading back into the draft, getting those extra mid-round picks, that's where a guy like Jason Light can cook. We, we've seen the recent success he has had with second, third, fourth round picks these last couple of seasons, and uh, I think the more real estate he has in the middle rounds, the better, uh, you know, because the difference between picking what the Bucks have 26 
And if you trade up to 31, you know, the difference in five picks in the first round, you're not targeting a franchise quarterback. At least it doesn't feel like it. I don't have any inclination the Bucs are going to go after a quarterback in the first or second round. So what big of a difference is it going to make, especially when you have a GM who has been just absolutely uh, nailing those picks here in recent seasons? So I, I like it so far. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you know, it, they don't have a fifth, so it does hurt to give up the sixth because you don't have a, a pick in the fifth or sixth round. Uh, you do have two sevenths, though, and a fourth. So with that being said, let's finish up with the final three picks. This would be day three of the draft. Going to start off in round four, 126th overall. Going to select Dylan Johnson, running back out of Washington. I like Chase Edmonds. I think there's a decent chance Chase Edmonds is actually back in Tampa Bay. Uh, I have to keep an eye on that. but. um you know, I also don't know if Chase Evans being back is going to stop them from drafting a running back or, you know, maybe signing two for agent running backs. Like, I, I don't think just re-signing Chase Evans is going to stop them. I, I think they, they want some depth there. I, the Sean Tucker experiment's probably not going to happen, like, probably done. Um, So a guy like Dylan Johnson could come in who obviously played in some big games, you know, with Michael Penix and uh, played in the championship game. So uh, I, I do think he has some – he has the ability to, to be a solid – running back for you and in the fourth round why not so wrapping it up with two uh round seven picks again it does suck like and and that's why you know it, it wouldn't shock me if maybe you know they try and package one of those seventh with a 2025 pick and move up to the sixth or fifth because it's a long time right you're waiting two full rounds to get to pick a guy um but round seven 244th overall and like by this point like i've never heard of these guys so uh let you know cut me some slack here and they not going to get worked up over a seven round pick, but uh, Ethan Driscoll, the offensive tackle for Marshall, just some offensive tackle depth. You take a swing on a guy, why not? And round seven, 255th overall, Kenny Logan Jr., a safety from Kansas. So that wraps up the draft. The draft is Chop Robinson, Cedric Van Pran, Malachi Corley, Cedric Gray. Dylan Johnson, Ethan Driscoll, and Kenny Logan Jr. So overall, like, you know, I know you gave most of your thoughts there, but overall quick thoughts on the draft before we get into the final 53-man roster. Yeah, I like it again. Uh, again, showing some love for the trenches early. They're going after some playmakers and in, in week one starters, addressing some future positions of uh, the running back position. You talked about Sean Tucker, that experiment being over. Keyshawn Vaughn, more than likely going to be making his departure as well. So the Bucks, they got to do something. Keyshawn Vaughn's already gone. Yeah, he is. Keyshawn Vaughn got cut. He did. <laughs> Not in there anymore. He's in. He's on New England's practice spot, I think. <laughs> so the Bucks definitely that have shows to you how much Keyshawn Vaughn has that a lasting memory of Bucks fans. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, so yes, I, I I do like it. I do like it. All right, so with that being said, uh, we have the 53-man roster, uh, and I go do go position by position. And actually, I thought it was destiny because I just – what I do is I put the names in, and I'm like, all right, after I put these names in, I'm going to count it. And if it's 51, all right, I'll figure out how to add two more players. Or if it's 55, all right, I got to cut you know two guys or whatever. But I did it once, and it was 53 exactly. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. Uh, so at quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, and John Wolford. I thought John Wolford was a free agent, but he doesn't show up on the spot rack list as free agent. So I was like, okay, I guess I don't need to sign to a minimum or anything. So uh, the quarterback room is the exact same. Uh, running back, Rashad White, Chase Edmonds, Dylan Johnson, Sean Tucker. It's not a depth chart, by the way. It just, you know, it is kind of a depth chart based on how I order them, but like it can, yeah, whatever. Um, wide receiver, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Trey Palmer, Malachi Corley, and Devin Tompkins. Tight end, Kate Otten, Mike Gesicki, Payne Durham, Coquift, left tackle, Tristan Wirfs, Justin School, left guard, Aaron Brewer, Aaron Stinney, center, Cedric Van Pran, Robert Hainsey, right guard, Cody Malk, Nick Leverett, right tackle, Luke Gedeke, Brandon Walton, defensive line, Kalaja Kansi, Javon Kinlaw, Logan Hall, and Greg Gaines, nose tackle, Vita Vea, and Rakeem Nunez Rochas, Outside linebackers, Yaya Diaby, Chop Robinson, Joe Trinshuenka, Anthony Nelson, and Marquise Watts. Inside linebacker, Levante David, KJ Britt, Cedric Gray, and Servassier Dennis. 
cornerback, the one position I don't touch at all. Uh, not sure if you know people have noticed that listening, but I don't touch. I do think it's not out of their own possibility that they cut Carlton Davis. I just lean towards them not doing it because I think they're already going to have some holes. I don't know if you want to open up another major one there. So uh, wouldn't shock me if they drafted a corner, but I, I don't. I don't really think they're going to cut Carlton Davis. They're definitely not cutting Jamal Dean. And actually, like, I restructured Jamal Dean, so it makes it even tougher for him to cut. But uh, Carlton Davis, Jamal Dean, Zion McCollum, Christian Izian, Josh Hayes, free safety, Anthony Winfield Jr., D. Delaney, strong safety, John Johnson, Kayvon Merriweather, kicker, Chase McLaughlin, punter, Jake Camarda, long snapper, Zach Triner. Obviously, with the corners, I mean, you got... Christian Izian and Josh Hayes both can play safety. You have D. Delaney who can play corner. So a lot of versatility there in the secondary, but largely outside John Johnson, the same secondary, which I know some people won't like. But again, you can't fill every single need and get a perfect offseason. Like it's just, you can't do it, right? You're not going to be able to fill every single need, check off every single box. So, would I like to add maybe another corner? Sure. Would I like to add maybe some better depth and safety? Sure. But I just, I'm working with what I got. And, and you know, realistically, I just didn't see it you know, being right. I still like the consistency all in all. You know, I, I like that this is a Bucks team with enough talented pieces and enough depth to stay together year after year. Uh, I like that this is a chance for Baker Mayfield at the quarterback position to go into another season, not with the same offensive coordinator, unfortunately, uh, but with a lot of the same teammates, a lot of the same supporting cast, and hopefully an even better offensive line. I like that this Bucks defense has a lot of familiar faces who have been on the team year in and year out. Vita Vea has been on this team for quite a long time. Levante David has been on this team for quite a long time. Antoine Winfield has been on the team long enough to where we're talking about what he's about to be uh about to get paid, maybe resetting the safety market potentially, you know, with, with the salary that he's earned Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, hopefully if they can, if they can figure out this signing at safety and they can get the right guy in there, you can keep this bucks defense, especially this Buccaneers secondary feels like the most cohesive unit we've had in a long time. Just not that much turnover year in and year out. You remember, it seemed like, we were just recycling cornerbacks and we were coming up with different guys to try and throw at the problem and none of it was ever seeming to work. Now we are signing players, drafting players to keep this thing working as long as we possibly can. So that is an interesting thing uh, to watch happen. But I like the blueprint that you have laid out. Like I said, I know it's not that entertaining of a show when you've just got two guys who jump on here and agree with each other for an hour, but uh, I think we both agree in what direction the Bucks are going to be taking and, and really some of the top priorities they have being on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, uh, mm. the offensive and defensive line. I, I'm excited to see how that works. And, you know, Jason Light looking for more value in the draft. I have more trust in him now than I have ever, not only to re-sign all of these free agents we talked about, but to make the right decisions there uh, in some of those mid-round picks, the third round, the fourth round and uh, maybe getting involved, wheeling and dealing, and getting yourself involved with even more high-value picks there in the middle rounds. But I, I like it a lot. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. So let me know in the comments below. I'm always curious to to hear feedback on it. Um, you know, if you guys have your own, like, comment. Like, you know, you don't have to do all what I did, but if you have, like, your thoughts on free agents, you know, you want to target or something or guys you want the Bucks to draft, go ahead and feel free to comment. But with that being said, that wraps up my 2024 uh, Buccaneers mock offseason. Again, it is not a predictive thing. I am not predicting any of this saying this will happen. It is sort of a 50-50 of what I think is realistic to happen and what I personally would do if I were Jason Light. So, um, that's just how, you know, I'm no expert, obviously, you know, Jason light knows more football has, he's forgotten more football than I'll ever know in my life. But, um, you know, I, uh, I feel like, you know, I did a, a pretty nice job of, you know, like I said, filling the holes on the team and you can't really fill every single hole and every single need in one off season. So we'll see what you need next year. But, uh, I, I do think you, know, you resign important guys, add some depth along the defensive line. Hopefully the pass rush is better. I think if the pass rush, even though they had their, you know, ridiculous amount of sacks this year, which it still feels fake. Uh, the pass rush is consistently better with, with just four guys. I think, I think it's going to help everybody. Just, I actually don't think people realize 
how much just getting pressure with four guys consistently can help out a defense and help yeah. out a secondary. So uh, I do think if they're able to fix that and a guy like Chop Robinson could come in, a guy like Javon Kinlaw can be good and Kaji Kanti takes another step and Yaya Diaby takes another step. Uh, Joe Trinshwinka, maybe he's a solid rotational guy. Uh, I do think, you know, this defense can, uh, can go to new heights and uh, yeah, that's it though. I'd argue it makes your defense just more dangerous all around. Having a consistent pass rush of four guys makes them more dangerous when they blitz. Uh, you know, you're going to have teams that respect that a little bit more than they would if you are a blitz heavy team that just that simply cannot get home. Uh, so the, the development is going to be something to keep an eye on. Also, before we go, it is combine week. All uh, all 32 NFL teams are going to be having guys flock to Indianapolis to take a look at this fresh batch of rookies that we have got. So do not be surprised if there is some mock draft coverage happening in the future here on the Cannon Fire podcast. Yes. I, I, you know, nothing set in stone yet, but it is that time of year, Evan. And, uh, you know, we, we, we wait ever so patiently for the draft because really, I, I mean, between now and the draft, we've got free agency of course the updates we've all been waiting on but outside of that it's free agency like the first like week and a half of free agency and then after that it gets quiet and then like the month of april like besides the last weekend of april is is pretty brutal honestly so um yeah stick with us we're gonna have a ton of content obviously not just the podcast also short videos uh we know we appreciate all the support on the short videos as well so with free agency coming up you know we're gonna have some things uh you know planned and uh you know we appreciate all the all the support but uh we also you know now you're sort of getting into the breaking news type season so uh if there's anything that's breaking news we'll either do an emergency podcast if we can't do an emergency podcast one of us will do a video about it and get up as quick as possible so uh we will be there to cover it it's officially sources season it is it oh, is man oh man make sure you guys check out evan's interview with former buccaneers running back bobby rainey that is a youtube exclusive you can check it out on our channel youtube.com forward slash cannon fire podcast Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news, as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram. The number one Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. Hey, the, the audio listeners are so confused. Yeah, but. Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Don't tell them what it was. Just, check if out. you want to figure out what it was, go to YouTube, watch the full episode. Check out his written work at BucksNation.com. You got anything in the hopper for the website this week? I think I'm going to be taking a look at maybe the Buccaneers options if a guy like Mike Evans were not to return. I know it's unlikely, but I I do think that that takes this offseason in a wild turn if Mike Evans doesn't come back. So uh, because I do think if he doesn't come back, they're going to add some sort of receiver, whether it's in free agency or if it's uh, in the draft. I just don't see a world where they're going into 2024 with Trey Palmer as their wide receiver too. Maybe it still means Godwin's wide receiver wide receiver one, but I just have to imagine they would add somebody else. Um, or, you know, maybe they just keep Russell Gage. Who knows? I mean, you know, it could be the case, but again, I don't even know if I could see them entering 2024 with Russell Gage as the wide receiver too. So I do think they could add somebody. So I'm just going to look at that again. It's unlikely, but, uh, I do think, you know, you have to take a look at least. Last but not least, you can find myself Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Thanks to everybody for hanging out with us today. The moderator, Willie Beeman, holding it down. San Antonio Gatto, K-I-F, James Rose Porter, and anybody else that I may have missed, we appreciate you guys. And we will catch you in the next one. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you then. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.